Amen. Give God a round of applause, man. What worship, man. What God, what has God done? And so thank you, Tanner, for leading us in that. Good to have you back, dude. Uh, I don't know how you guys don't really get into this. Those of you, man, I'm a hand raiser and I forgot that, you know, I've got a herniated disc and spinal injury. I'm not supposed to lift my arm up, but man, I just shot that thing right out of socket. So that's what pain meds are for later on. But anyway, uh, God is good. We welcome you to our services this morning. Welcome to Connect Church. Those of you that are watching online, those of you that are in the house and you got your little nice handy day. they're not cigars you know there's something uh, to you can take home with you guys but my name is Terry Pierce and I have the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastor here uh, for uh, this coming up August will be 20 years and I just want to say thank you for being here today and uh, I'm so excited about sharing with you uh, the finale of this sermon series we're calling it thank you the power of a grateful heart thank you the power of a grateful heart now for those of you uh, that are not used to our church. Uh, we're note takers in our church. You have a bullet excuse me, a bulletin that you uh, received when you came in. And so flip that over on the back. We've got a whole page that you can take notes on uh, today. Uh, for you note takers, today's your day. Uh, Gracie, you're going to love it because, I mean, we are chock full. You're going to have to write fast because we're going to be going through them today. And so get your phones out, get the back of the bulletin turned over, whatever you want to do, and follow along with us. This morning, I'm talking to you guys about the power of unleashing, the word unleashing. When I say the word unleashing this morning, I want to talk to you today about what that looks like in the definition of unleashing. So here's what I want to do to illustrate the message for you this morning. When you think of the word unleashing, you know what comes to my mind? I'm thinking um, we're going to unleash, you're going to take your dogs to the park, the dog park on veterans, and you're going to unhook them, and you're going to let them run, and they're going to run and jump over all the stuff at the dog park uh, there with 20 other dogs. But now this is where my mind gets a little off kilter, and I know that you're going to say this sounds really sick, but for you pet lovers, you're going to be offended. Don't send me emails. Let me explain and finish. But in my mind, in my sick way of thinking, I would just, and I used to run the track by the dog park, I thought about, Amanda got really offended in the first service. She has issues about cats. But if I just thought about taking a cat to the dog park. And on the other side, don't judge me. I didn't say what I was going to do yet. But, and just taking the cat, and for just a little bit, not so it would get hurt. Don't judge me. Don't send me emails. But for just like 20 seconds, drop the cat over the fence of the dog park and watch those unleashed dogs go. But to just see that look on that cat's face, oh, I guarantee-ish that cat would lose eight of its nine lives right then and there. Uh, just see it. Now, I would go rescue it, Miss Marie. I wouldn't let it stay there, you know, and do all that stuff, so don't judge me. But just to see that cat with those dogs, that, that's what I think about unleashing. Let me give you another word picture visual for those of you that are now offended. Uh, so uh, those of you that have been to the beach or you've been on vacation and you've been down to the coast and and you know what you did when you got down there? Go ahead and admit it. You were not trying to fit into your bikini. I don't even want to think about that or see some of you guys. Uh, but anyway, uh, what you did when you got to the beach is you unleashed on some seafood. Am I right? Uh, you ordered the all-you-can-eat shrimp platter, and that guy lost some money that owned that restaurant because you were unleashing on that seafood. And, and I get it. And man, I'm hopefully going to do that soon. Uh, so I'm totally with you on that aspect. But then finally... And I know there's a lot of maroon in the house today. Uh, we're not seeing any Arkansas red. But anyway, and so we got all of this uh, maroon in the house today. And so for those of you, uh, and by the way, for those of our church members that are in Omaha right now, you better be watching online and you better type in right now that you're watching online because the game doesn't start till later. And so you're, you're about to better be watching. I'm just saying, but anyway, uh, but those of you that are in the house today, what you're thinking about when I say unleash, you're saying, I hope them dogs unleash the bats this afternoon, and uh, they see some hits that coming out of there. So you guys are tracking with me now uh, with this word unleash. Well, what I really want to talk to you guys about today is what I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to unleash. Sort of what Andrew already alluded to is I want to talk to you about unleashing the power of being grateful and the thankfulness that God wants to do in our hearts and lives. And what I, what I really want you to get visual of is when we talk about the word unleash, we're not talking about boring, a little bit, 
you know, we're going to try to be a little bit nicer. That is not the objective of this sermon today. Listen to me. I'm talking about unleashing. That means huge change. That means powerful insight, unleashing the power of gratitude and being thankful in our hearts and lives. And matter of fact, that is our sermon title today. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Lamentations chapter 3. For those of you that are new to church and not used to Christianity, don't worry, you're never going to find it in your Bible. Just look up at the screen. Uh, we're going to have the words on there. It's in the middle somewhere. You're never going to get there because it's a little bitty book. Uh, and so don't wind up uh, in the Song of Solomon because you're going to wig out. So just say, uh, trust me, we're going to put it up on the screen here in just a second. But what we're learning about today is not just being grateful for a month, but being grateful is about a lifestyle, a lifestyle of gratitude that will help you live your life to the highest level to bring more joy, to bring you more happiness, to give you more strength and courage and find more fulfillment than you've ever done before. And I know what some of you guys are saying when I, you know, thinking when I say that. You're going, well, Pastor Terry, I'm already a grateful person. Me and my family, we're from the South. And when we sit down in a meal, even when we're at the restaurant, we're praying over our vittles. You know, we're praying. That's a, I, don't know, I just went to the clamp, and so it's not in my nose. Uh, but anyway, uh, the, uh, we're praying over our food. And, uh, we're, you know, we're being thankful because we got good Southern tradition. I get that. And I'm not knocking that, and I appreciate that. But you're lying out your teeth if you don't admit you're a hypocrite when it comes to praying over that meal. I had raised three boys. There was never a meal yet that we prayed over that Blend didn't slave over and fix us great food. But when we sit down there, all three boys, including their daddy, go, Lord, bless his food and help it as it goes down. Amen. And we got right to the food. We weren't really processing to be thankful for that food. All we could do was smell the hot food, and we were ready to dive into it. And so, and then I know in the South, you know, that we're, well, thank God, you know, that he opened up that door. I realize that you guys say this from time to time occasionally. If you're from Tupelo, and you drive through Crosstown, and right in your rear, in your, you try to say that, in your rear view mirror, I almost said something else I shouldn't say, uh, but anyway, and you look behind you, and all of a sudden, you see those red flashing lights, and those gates come down, you're saying, thank the Lord, I got through Crosstown before the train hit. Can I get a witness? All right, so you're with me on that? Uh, but that's not what I'm talking about. Those are occasional moments that we have gratitude. But what we're wanting to do today is do more than just be Southern polite. We're unleashing the power of the Holy Spirit spirit in our daily life is going to unleash a power that we've never had before. And all of this is predicated upon the truth that we've been teaching you for three weeks now. If you haven't heard this part of the sermon, you need to go back online. You can watch them in the entirety. They only take about 25 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but anyway, here's the verse that we've been looking at. So look with me this morning. This is what we've been talking about, the theology behind this whole power of a grateful heart. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And we've unpacked the doctrine and the theology of what that verse means. And here's the application of what it means to really live out this, this mandate that the Apostle Paul said to the church at Thessalonica. And here's what we've been teaching you for three weeks now. Joy is not something that we work on. What is it we've written down and prayed over in our lives every week? Joy is something that we live in. We've got four of you that's got this down. Thank you. So here's what we've been talking to you about in biblical truth, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Now let me summarize what these three weeks have been about. This is the doctrine. This is the theology of how God wants to unleash the power of gratitude in your life and mine. Number one, I can give thanks because God is in control. No matter what you're facing, let me say it again, no matter what you're facing, you're in this house today because you believe and understand at least a concept that God is in control. Now I want you to stop and think about this this morning. You tracking with me today? The, do you believe that God created all things? Are you with me this morning? Nod your head, do something, wake, you know, nod, burp, do something. Uh, are you with me this morning? Do you believe that God created all things? All right, you're with us. So we believe that he's creator of all things. We believe that he's God Almighty. We just sang about that. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is control of everything. Now listen to this. The God that created all of this, that made you and I, loves you. Loves you. And knows you 
by name. Somebody say amen. The God that created all of this loves you and knows you by name. And he is saying to you through me today, I am in control. I am in control. You can trust me. You can trust me. And that is a big thank you place to get to in the doctrine of our lives. Can I illustrate it to you this morning with a Father's Day? With a Father's Day story. That's pretty appropriate because today's Father's Day. When our kids were little growing up, let me back up for just a second. For those of you here this morning, today's a difficult day. Maybe some of you are watching online because you didn't come, because you really hate Father's Day, because you had an abusive father, or things didn't go well with you. Look at me. The story I'm getting ready to tell you about Father's Day does not come from me and my dad, because I don't have a great Father's Day story to tell you about how loving, how godly, and how wonderful my growing up was. I don't have that. But that's okay. Because what, here's what I've learned. I don't have to have a perfect life. I just have to have a perfect God who has redeemed me. And not only did he change me, but he set a course. And guess what? I don't care about your family history and your family traditions. God changed me. And I know we're not supposed to in the South admit that these kind of things happen, but they do and they happen in your life. You're just not honest enough to admit it and you're messed up because of it because you're still trying to cover it up. We don't do that here. We admit that our lives were jacked up, and guess what? So was mine, but guess what? God redeemed that, and he set me on a different course to raise my voice to do differently. And by the way, that is very thing is blessed by his mercy and his grace, Ernie. And not only is my son in the house today, and my other sons are in their church this morning, but my grandson is here for the very first time in the service today. I'm telling you, God can change the course of your family. How about we start new traditions in our hearts and in our lives? And so with that said, here's one of the great things that happened to me back in the day, Terry, with my kids. One of my favorite things about uh, my top five list of all time is watching my little boys when they were little around the house. Uh, I'm a basketball player, and so I had a size 11 basketball shoes, and they were really, they weren't Michael Jordan, they were uh, Magic Johnson's. But anyway, and, uh, and I had the Magic Johnson some basketball shoes and they're size 11 and Aaron and Andrew and Adam uh, invariably when they were little they would all slip on my giant size 11 and now only one of my sons actually grew up and became a full-size man uh, and eventually wore those side of shoes. But anyway, uh, but, uh, that's Adam. Uh, but anyway, is that uh, they, would wear these little, they would wear these shoes. And it was so cute and so funny to watch them walk down the hallway at the parsonages that we grew up in in those days. And they would trip and they would fall over. But man, it told me a great lesson, Grant, as I would watch my sons love to wear their daddy's basketball shoes that, Daddy, you better be careful where you walk in those shoes because you've got three little boys that are watching every move you make and every step you take, and you better make sure that you set a good example for them. And while I didn't always get that done perfectly, God's grace is still sufficient. And here's what my boys would learn when they were little. They believed that Daddy could save them from anything. They didn't know me, but they believed that Daddy could save them, and he was their protector. And they were little. They would crawl up in my lap. And it was the coolest moment. It was the coolest moment of watching these little guys. And uh, Andrew never paid attention even then. But anyway, it was the coolest moment of, uh, of, of watching the little boys crawl up in my lap. And when the storms would hit in South, Mississippi, South Georgia, where we lived at the time, and, you know, all the wind would be blowing and it felt like the house roof was going to come off, the boys would crawl up in my lap, and, and by the way, that was a parsonage chair. This was in the 90s, and we still had to wear the 1970s, you know, uh, furniture and, and paneling because that's what Free Will Baptists do. But anyway, and so, uh, so we were living in the parsonage in those days, and, and those little boys would crawl up in my lap, and they would look at us, and they would say, Daddy, is it going to be okay? And that's the coolest moment, John, when we get to say, Daddy's got this. It's all good. You stay right here in your safe place. And I said all that to say this, because just a few years later, in 2001, I would have to challenge that security by asking my boys, do you trust daddy? 
do you really believe daddy's in control? And in 2001, when they were a little bit older, this is what they looked like when we came to this church to be pastor here. This is in our very first year here. And, uh, and so this is, this, you know, this is where our guys were at. And so when we moved here in 2001, I looked at my little boys and I said, daddy is going to move us to Mississippi. And I'm not going to lie. All three boys had a great school. They had great friends. They loved living in Georgia. We lived outside of Atlanta. And all three boys were absolutely saying, no, we're not doing it. And not only just them, but Mama uh, was on side of them. And they said, the last place that we want to go is in Mississippi. And I said, but I'm telling you, I believe that God is leading us to Mississippi. They didn't want to come try out. They didn't want to move here after y'all voted yes anyway, and they were not happy about that. They may be smiling in this picture, this is, uh, but I'm telling you, they were not happy. But something happened in that process. While all four of them <laughs> were not happy with that, I would teach them that God was in control. And do you know what happened 20 years later? Today? Guess what? They all love to come back home to Mississippi. Mama Belen loves, she says, if you all fire me, she's staying here. They love to come home. They call Mississippi home. One of them had to even move back. And so the truth of the matter is, is that what they learned a valuable lesson throughout their life is that sometimes God asks us to do what we don't like to do. And God changes the course of our life. But what we thought we needed, he will give you something better. He will give you something better if you will surrender and trust that he is in control. Quit doing it your way. Quit doing it your way. And learn to be thankful that God is in control. Can I get an amen? And so I'm just telling you this morning what a valuable Father's Day lesson that we learned from this Number two, I give thanks because God sends people into my life to support me. So let me ask you this morning, who is that someone that God has sent in your, into your life to support you? I'm not talking about the kind of friend who we in the South are saying, you know, man, I just need that buddy. And, and I know what you all talk about, and I get it. Uh, for those of you that need that friend, that's just, you know, they're the rah-rah friend, and, 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 you know, we need some of that. But look at me this morning. What I'm talking about this morning is a true disciple-making friend. Are you looking at me today? Not a friend who just tells you what you want to hear, who's all roses and butterflies, or fish and butterflies, as me and Ram would say. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that I'm talking about a friend who tells you what you need to hear. That's discipleship. Who says, this is what you're not getting right in your life. This is what's most important in your life. I'm talking about a friend who holds you accountable. And as you think through that this morning, I want you to think about who's that friend in your life. That unconditional friend who tells you the hard things. I'm going to be very personal with you this morning. Painfully personal. There's many of you that have been tremendous influences and friends in my life, and thank you, and are. But the one that's on my heart today is the chairman of our deacon board. And if you don't know the story, Brother David Mills has been diagnosed with brain cancer. And um, he's the kind of friend over the years, and even my boss at times, who has poured into my life, and he came from a unique perspective that really, honestly, no one else could understand of being a pastor. His daddy was a free will Baptist pastor. He sat in the pew. He understood both roles. He understood your all's needs he understood us as a staff's needs. And there would be seasons when we would be leading the church to change from being 
about more of just us and me having my vote and having my way in the church building, and we were worried about what people thought and how we comfortable we were rather than lost people. And when we transitioned the church into discipleship focus, there would be a season where I would be attacked and my family would be attacked, and it would be difficult, and I got frustrated with it, and David would say, and I owe him my ministry and my life. He would say, preacher, you need to quit being negative. You need to quit preaching to those that don't get it. The rest of us are on board, son. Go with us. We're there with you. Go lead us and be more positive. And he was exactly what I needed to hear. And I knew he was wrong, but I didn't like it, but he was right. And then there would be other times, Jim, where he would just say, preacher, I know you're scared to death. And I know you hear some of the talk going on, but Brother Terry, you go get them. <laughs> Terry, don't you back off. You keep preaching on heaven. You keep preaching on hell. You keep preaching on the gospel. Whether they get on board or not, you keep doing what God's called you to do. Second boy, go get them. And I did. And then on Monday night, after they'd received another pathology report on his brain tumor. Glenn and I felt led of the spirit to just go by Monday night and to sit down at their house with David and Shirley there in Mantachi. And we would talk and we would cry and we would pray. But David and Shirley both just said, Brother Terry, more than anything else, Whatever happens with us, we're good with this. We know God, but what we're worried about is we're worried about Jonathan and we're worried about Brandon. Our boys, their boys, and their families and their children. And you know what I said, Mark? I said, you just back up. I said, don't say another word. Because you need to know, David and Shirley, that I got this. <laughs> I said, I'm going to be praying for Brandon and Jonathan. I said, I don't care what the devil tries to discourage with them. I don't care how much he unloads on them and they struggle with this whole process about dad and about what's happening in their life because I guarantee you this, you fought for me and my boys, I will literally fight hell. I will never stop praying for those boys. I will never stop fighting that they know that God is in control. He loves them. And I'm telling you, I got your boys. Don't you worry about it. And those are the kind of friends that God wants to put into your life and mine. And you know how it happens, guys? It happens when you join a connect group at our church and you start meeting with folks and you learn to build friendships with people who will love you unconditionally to tell you the hard truths in your life and hold you accountable on Sunday night for what you just heard on Sunday morning. And they'll pray with you and they'll pray for you. You need to be a part of the discipleship ministry that God is doing here and exploding in this church. You want to find real friends that support you in your life? Then I'm telling you, quit making excuses. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Join a small group that meets on Sunday nights. Become a part of a discipleship group. And I promise you this, at this church, God will send friends into your life who will support you and love you and praise God Almighty that we're thankful for the friends that God is giving us at Connect Church. Amen? Number three, I give thanks because Jesus understands my trouble. The theology behind 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we don't have time to go back and look at it, but in that verse, remember what it said, he said, give thanks in all circumstances. We get this for what? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Ladies and gentlemen, the theology, the doctrine that we're building this sermon series off of is that we can give thanks because Jesus under understands my trouble. Remember what we learned last Sunday. That verse doesn't say that you give thanks 
for all the bad stuff. It doesn't say that at all. We misread that. It says we give thanks in all of our circumstances. I don't give thanks for a herniated disc in my back. I don't give thanks for David's cancer. I don't give thanks for the funerals that I'll preach. But you know what I do? Is I give thanks that Jesus is in the herniation. Jesus is with me with my back injury. Jesus is with the Mills family through cancer. Jesus is with you at the funeral. Jesus is with you in your bad circumstances. That's what you give thanks for. That is good. So he says to you and I, I want you to be thankful for Jesus in the midst of the troubles in your life and mine. And you understand this morning, that is what our church believes in. This is what Christianity is all about, guys. Because you see, the truth of the matter is, is God Almighty is really good at fixing what's broken. Some of you are here this morning, and your marriage is broken. Your relationship with your kids is broken. You don't have a great relationship with your dad in the past. I don't care what is going on in your life that is broken. You can either decide to live in that, and you can be feeling sorry for yourself, and you want to feel like, just like the song sang earlier a while ago, I feel so unworthy. Well, stop it. Because here's what God Almighty did. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, from the glory of heaven. He came to fix this jacked up planet that Tanner was talking about in just a minute ago. Jesus Christ came to fix what was broken by sin. Jesus came to change our hearts and our lives. And because of Jesus, you are worthy. Not because of you. Not because of your past. Folks, let it go. Let it go. Confess it. Jesus is the one that can change you and fix you. And it's time today that we begin to believe in that doctrine and give thanks that Jesus understands my trouble. Number four, I can give thanks because heaven is my future home. Now, this is where I've been trying to get to for three weeks, and let me run through this real quickly. Every, what do you all call, uh, you know, on Wednesday, for those of you that are working in the factory, you're working, um, you know, on the, on the, uh, putting the furniture together, you're working at your job, uh, teaching, whatever you're doing, Y'all call Wednesday hump day. And you, why do you call Wednesday hump day? Because now you're down to two days and then you get to go to the weekend and you can't wait for the weekend because, you know, you're going to go have fun and then come to church. Uh, and anyway, and so, uh, so you call that. But you know what my favorite day of the week besides today is Thursday. And I know I'm weird. But here's why I love Thursday because I call it thankful Thursday. And when I get up in the morning on Thursdays, do you know what I do? I don't pray. Well, that's an embarrassing statement by a pastor. I don't pray on Thursday by asking God to give me stuff. Every Thursday, when my feet hit the floor, I begin to just thank God. You know, I pray through the spiritual armor prayer by now. You've heard that for seven years. Get on that train. Uh, and so, but here's what I'm telling you to do. On Thursdays, I don't pray and ask God to give me his righteousness. You know what I do on Thursdays, Miss Barbara? I thank God Almighty that he sent his son and he's already given me his righteousness. And today I wake up as being totally right with Jesus Christ. And then I say, because of that righteousness that Jesus has given me, I want to thank you that I get to live today. This blows my mind. How and why? Y'all don't pray this. I don't get you. But I pray every single day, not because I feel worthy, not because I'm trying to have a good, happy rainbows and butterflies fish day. Uh, what I pray into my life every Thursday is that I'm happy because of Jesus Christ's righteousness. I get to live my day with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I cannot lose. I cannot be defeated. Thank God Almighty what Jesus won for me on the cross is a personal relationship that I get to walk every day of my life with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Man, that's good. That's good. Amen. But I'm not done yet. Hang on. It even gets even more better. That's really good English. And don't worry, I talk for a living. So next, I thank God Almighty for peace. And I don't thank God for peace because I've got all this stuff and because I married such a wonderful, beautiful woman and, and I've got three kids that are okay. And, and, and because of all these things in my life, I thank God he is my peace. He 
is my peace. It's in someone, not in something. And then I thank God for faith. We're getting ready to take a little break, Glenn and I, as you guys know, in July. And um, you guys work way harder than me. You guys go through it every day. But it is a challenge to preach 45, 47, 48 sermons a year and to do that in the same place for 20 years and to not repeat yourself and to be able to teach people that have listened to you for 20 years, all five of you that are still here. (laughs) But uh, the truth of the matter is, I've been doing this for 33 years. And incredibly, me, (laughs) me, 33 years, 47, 48 sermons a year, God has been faithful. And I think about Brother Tom that he's never let me fail him yet. Oh, I've preached plenty of duds on my own, but even in his grace, 48 sermons a year for 33 years, God has been faithful to preach and use me to speak about his name. My God is faithful, and I praise him that he does it again. I'm ready for a break, but I'm so thankful that he does it again. Be thankful for God's faithfulness to you in your heart, and in your life. And then finally, real quickly, I pray for the gospel of peace in my life. Folks, it's about sharing the gospel. I'm so thankful. Do you know what happened? Not only while Andrew was working with the teens this week and seeing all these decisions were made, uh, I was doing marriage counseling, and a young lady in her 20s, and as we were walking through the sessions, asking them where they were at spiritually, Brittany was honest and open, and she said, Pastor Terry, I've been in Church of Christ, been coming here for a while, but I've never been saved, getting ready to get married. And I said, Brittany, I'm telling you, if the best advice I can help you with your marriage is you need a personal relationship with Jesus. Are you ready for this? In marriage, premarital counseling, Brittany gave her heart and her life to Jesus Christ this Thursday. Give God a round of applause. Love what he's doing. Eight. We hit it, guys. We hit it. You guys prayed, and you asked God to do it eight straight months now. We added June into it, eight straight months of somebody being saved, baptized, or joining the church. Give God another round of applause. He's working in our midst, and I'm telling you what an awesome thing that he is doing. Folks, this is what we thank God for. We need to be celebrating life and the gospel and making disciples. And then finally, I pray the helmet of salvation into my life. I pray for the word of God into my life, and I thank him. I thank him for the Bible that engages me every day of my life. I thank you for the spirit of God that after I read the word, transforms and takes the truth, helps me become more self-aware. Thank God for your word that helps me see me and for your Holy Spirit that teaches me how to do more for you. That's what God gives me every day of my life, and I thank him for that. But I love the helmet of my salvation. Because you know what that tells me? No matter how I feel, when I put that on, the liar and the enemy will tell you that you're not worthy and you're never going to get there and you're never going to be good enough. But I thank God for the helmet of salvation because that tells me I'm going to heaven one someday. Forget you, forget anybody else that doesn't believe in me or anything else. Jesus has guaranteed me a spot in heaven one day. And that, my friend, is what I'm thankful for. Are you with me this morning? I'm thankful that God is carrying us to heaven one day. This is what 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. All right, that's good. Pastor Terry, appreciate all that theology and doctrine, but let's put it into practice right now. Uh, Here's what I want to do. We're going to give you an exercise to do this morning, and we're going to make this real practical. And I'm already looking at several of you going, I ain't exercising. All I want to do is go home and eat. I ain't doing no push-ups, and I ain't no running around the building. We ain't Pentecostal here, uh, and I get you. All right, so we're not talking about physical exercise here this morning. Some of you all just go, I'm out. 
I ain't doing no, no, I'm talking about a, uh, an exercise you can do where you're sitting down that you all dream about that you do every day. All right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out something that you can write on. The back of your bulletin, your cell phone, uh, your notebooks, whatever you got, and you need to get it out right now. And what I'm going to ask you to do is we're going we're gonna to take a test. We're going to put a clock up on the screen. We're going to have 30 seconds, uh, and we're going to write down. Here's what I want you to write down. Everyone in this building, write down uh, what you're thankful for. I want you to just simply write down. Don't start. Man, you are a bunch of Baptist cheaters. The clock hasn't started yet. I want you to write down and see how many you can write down in 30 seconds. Something. Some of you all stop it. Uh, write down in 30 seconds what you're thankful for. Ready, set, go. Quit looking around at your neighbor. Write it down. Don't look at the clock. You've only got 13 seconds left. Hurry up. Four, three. Right fast. Two, one. Boom. All right, put your pens down. Put your pen, phones down. Stop it. Put it down, Miss Marie. All right, so anyway, so I'll tell you what. Some of these older folks, they, you know. Anyway, uh, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. So you notice when you wrote, look at your list. Pull your list back out. Now, what was at the top of your, how many of you got five things? How many of you wrote five things? Put up your hand. How many of you got five things? Some of you are really pathetic. All right. Uh, how many of you got 10 things? How many of you got 10 things on your list? All right, good, good. We got anybody with 15? Anybody got 15 on your list? Okay, we had some 15s in the first service. You need to get on the spiritual train with them. So I'm just saying, but you notice if you look at your list, if you look at your list, what did you start with? You started with big things. You started with like God, you know, okay, that was an easy one. You know, we're Baptists, so I love, thankful for God. It, and by the way, if you don't have that on your list, get out now. Okay, so just say it, so just get out. All right, so, uh, so you start with, what are you thankful for, God? You're thankful for your family, you know, amen, you know, most of you. Uh, and I know, go ahead and raise your hands. How many of you wrote down number three on your list? I'm thankful for my preacher. Why was that funny? All right, anyway, so I've got two people that raised their hand. I'm going on vacation. I'm out. All right, anyway, uh, so here's the thing. But you notice we write down the big things. You guys are sad. Uh, we write down the big things, but what we really don't do well, now listen to me, I did all this for a reason, is we're not really good at being thankful for the little things. Now here's the key. Here's the thing, the key to the unleashing a life of gratitude in your life and mine, and this is how I want to finish my message. I want to teach you. The real power of unleashing a life of, of gratitude is being thankful for the little things in your life. And that's where Lamentations chapter 3 comes into play. Now listen to me quickly. In Lamentations 3, Old Testament scholars debate whether Jeremiah wrote uh, chapter 3. We know he wrote the rest of the book, but or there was another poet. And I don't really care who wrote chapter 3 because this is the same con context the nation of Israel has sinned against the holy God. And ladies and gentlemen, you cannot imagine how dark it was. This is God's chosen people. And they have sinned against God. They've gotten too busy just living their lives. And folks, they have lost everything. Can you imagine living in a country that God had blessed and gave you a privilege of having a country that honored God and gave you all of the rights and the freedoms. Could you imagine being so arrogant that you turned your back on that God that gave you that country? Could you imagine living in a place like that and you turned your back on it and he removed his hand of blessings and allowed your nation to fall into utter depravity and to utter ca uh, captivity? Could you imagine how dark and dismal it would be to live in a country like that? And by the way, the book of Lamentations, those of you wondering what that means, it means to lament. The whole book is about lamenting over our sins, about lamenting how dark of a hole that we've gotten into. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of chapter 3, they've been lamenting for two and a half chapters about their sin and about the darkness of their children being in bondage, and, and they've lost their nation and their country. And in the midst of that, 
Jeremiah or the poet or the prophet says, but I remembered that if we will repent and we will call upon God, that God will do this, and we remember. Now look with me on the screen as we pull up Ronda Lamentations 3.23. And the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And he writes, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you and suggest to you and I this morning that it is God who gives us new mercies. He's the one that reaches into the darkness of that hole of sin that we're in. And believe it or not, he can make every morning take you through the night and make your mornings so incredibly powerful and graceful. And that's what he does. Here's what Dr. Andrew Dearman said about this text. Repentance is not a magical elixir, but it is a series of steps taken toward God in obedience to his will. And just so you appreciate how dark this text was, Dr. Danny Aiken summarizes it in this way. Lamentations is a cavern without a light. The valley of the shadow of death without a shepherd. And some of you can relate to that this morning. No light, no leadership, only dark. The problem with the people of God is they forgot to honor God and to be thankful for the little things and the blessings in their life. Now look at me this morning. This is not on the screen. But you need to hear this. Look at me. God allows the darkness to happen in our life because of our sins. And hear me this morning. You need to learn to admit that you have a problem. You need to admit that this is a dark season and you have failed God. And hear me. You will never be able to appreciate or be thankful for the beauty until you first see the ugly, the gore that surrounds you or your nation. You see, it's not about you making your family or your life better. It's about Jesus bringing the light into our darkness. And here's a phrase that I wrote down that I want you to write down. Grace grows in the dark. I love that. Grace grows in the dark. So one more time, let me remind you, now that you have the context, Lamentations 3.22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. That's us in the dark hole. Oh, this is so good. But if we will repent in the midst of the night that you're going through in your life, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Folks, I want to teach you how to apply this verse to your life and mine real quickly. I'm going to do this fast, but here's what we do with being able to appreciate the little things in our hearts and lives, the little things. Number one, thank God every time a new day begins. Thank God at every time a new day begins. I don't know if you're like me this morning, but when I wake up, I am not a thankful person. I'm like, dear God, why in the world are we here today? And I've got to suit this up, and I, I do not like that. My wife, on the other hand, you all personalities, she wakes up, and buddy, she's on a mission. She's got a to-do list, and man, she hits the floor running. She's going to do 27 things before she goes to work that day, and you do not interrupt her because she's on a mission and a to-do list. You all wake up with different personalities, but if we're not careful, all of us, different personalities, we forget to thank God that every time we begin a new day, listen to me this morning. Here's what I want you to do very quickly. When you wake up tomorrow, anybody in here been in a dark place in your life recently? Anybody in here sinned against God? Anybody in here ever felt like a failure and you felt like that, man, I am not worthy? Listen to me this morning. I don't care how dark the night is. I don't care how long the night is. Jesus Christ is the one that forgives you. You repent today. You repent tonight. And I'm telling you, when you wake up Monday morning, you do not wake up a loser. You do not wake up defeated going, I can't do this again this week. You wake up because his mercies are new every morning. And this week is going to be a better week. And you thank God Almighty for it. Can I get a witness this morning? I'm just telling you, that's what he wants to do in your heart and my life. So let's thank God every time uh, we begin a new day. Number two, thank God every time I engage God's word. 
Man, I'm thankful that our church is reading through the F-260 reading plan. You guys are texting me and asking me questions, and many of you are blown away by how raw have you seen how many times Abraham tried to pawn his wife on somebody else this week in your Bible reading? The Bible is raw. The Bible is real. The Bible shows you the good, the bad, and the ugly. And this is the definition of discipleship. And that's what God is doing at our church. Number three, thank God every time I experience a blessing. Man, I shouldn't even have to remind you of that. Every Thursday, I just walked you through that. Guys, we need, you know, you know the reason that we're not thankful for the little things in our life? Real quickly. The devil has allied to you in the American culture. You need to get over your American culture. Because your American culture says, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. No, you did not. The only reason you even got a belt or straps is because God Almighty loved you and gave you. You cannot do it. Quit trying. Allow God to pull you up. Allow God to pull you up. And the reason you're so miserable and unhappy, because some of you are here sitting going, you know what, I thought I was going to have this when I retired, and I thought I was going to have this, and, and I thought I was going to have these, you know, you young people. Uh, you know, they've got cooler phones than me, and they've got better looking shoes than me, and those are not bad. But they've got all of these things that they've got in their life, and, and you're, you guys keep trying to keep up with the Joneses. Let me stop it. First of all, who are the Joneses? Why are you trying to keep up with them? Who cares about them? How about you just be thankful for what God has given you? Maybe we're missing out on being miserable because we're trying to keep up with everybody else. Number four, thank God every time he does or doesn't answer my prayers. This is a deep one. You don't want to miss the end of this. Don't tune out for those that are online watching. I know you're fixing to go to your uh, next show at, at 12 here, but trust me, you don't want to miss out this last, because I'm going to illustrate this point. When God says no to your prayers. Number five, thank God every time someone becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. Folks, Andrew said it well this morning. I'm going to say it one last time. Look at me. What does Jesus ask you to do? Well, he's asked me to be a father. No, no, no. He's asked me to be a father, and he's asked me to be a mother. He's asked me to, my, kid, my, fa- my marriage. No, 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 no. What did Jesus say? He gave you, you, and you one command. And what is it? Go and make disciples. Thank you, Grant. If you're not doing that, then you want, you're missing the whole point of why God saved you. If you stop making disciples... Because your kids, because the church, because anything else, because of religion, because of whatever, you've missed the whole point of Christianity. We're called to go. He made it real simple. He knew you. He <laughs> goes, it's not complicated because I knew you. Go and make disciples. And folks, if you do, if that becomes the centerpiece of this church, you know what we're going to celebrate? We're going to celebrate the Tanners. We're going to celebrate Brittany's. That is what we live for at Connect Church. Eight straight months of watching God lead people to Christ. That's what we celebrate. We don't celebrate fancy pews. We don't celebrate the lights in our music. We don't celebrate the nice song service. You know what we celebrate? We celebrate people coming to know Jesus Christ and becoming disciples. That's it. So this is what it looks like to truly be thankful for the little things. As Belinda and I Get ready to take a little sabbatical break here. It's been a difficult season for us. And let me just say thank you for standing with us in the physical attacks that Satan has brought. Our church has experienced a revival, incredible growth. And yet Satan is trying to discourage and defeat us. And Belinda and I, just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for letting us be your pastor and your shepherd. Thank you. Thank you for letting us be here. 
And here's the big thing that God has been teaching me in this season of not being able to do what I want to do, facing surgery. I'm going to have to wait another 60 days of not being able to do what I want to do. But here's the thing that God is teaching me, and it goes back to that principle number four. What do you do and how are you thankful when God doesn't answer your prayers? That's the hard one. Are you with me? How are you thankful when God doesn't answer your prayers? Are you getting this? Do you remember the Apostle Paul had a dream? We got any dreamers in here that love big stuff, love exciting stuff, love to do cool things? I got you. I get you. We love you. We need you. Don't understand you, but we need you. And we got, and the Apostle Paul had a big dream. And I get it. And I like that because there's part of me that loves to do that. The Apostle Paul had a dream that he wanted to go preach in the city of Rome. You remember? His whole life, ministry, the Apostle Paul, his fantasy, his dream was, I want to go to Rome. I want to preach to Caesar. And you don't understand it, but Rome was the capital of the world in those days. And Paul says, I want to go and preach to Rome. I want the capital of the world to hear about Jesus Christ. And that is a great and worthy goal. And God said no. But why would God tell Paul no? He never got to do a crusade. Paul just wanted to preach in, in the Rome, in, 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 and God said no. But he did get to Rome. Have you thought about I just thought about that this week. I got goosebumps. Paul got to Rome in shackles. He never got on a big stage. He got to Rome for years sitting in a cold, dungy, dark prison cell. But while in this prison cell in Rome, rather than preaching, he took up writing. And he had a grateful attitude. He was thankful that God was with him in the prison cell. And he took up a little habit of writing. And while he was in the prison cell, when God said no to the preaching, he wrote some books. They're called Philippians. They're called Colossians. They're called Ephesians and First and Second Corinthians. They're called Thessalonians. And probably the greatest book in the book is the book of Romans. And it was all written by the Apostle Paul in a prison cell that have changed the lives of not only his generation, but you and I here today. Now think with me. If we were doing it our way, oh, we would have said, God Almighty, let me preach a crusade. How about us dreamers? God, give me a week of revival. Give me a month of a crusade and help me reach Caesar with the gospel. And you know what would have happened after the week and after the month? Those things would have faded away. But guess what still endures? God said no. And God blessed him with something far bigger than a crusade or a little revival for a week or emotional high. He gave him the word. And the word has changed our world forever. Somebody say amen. Folks, we need to trust God. We need to be thankful in the little things. When it doesn't go our way, maybe God is fixing to give us something bigger and better than we ever dreamed. Will you stand with me this morning? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like to answer, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.